This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Every single one of us are on a journey, a journey that God has given us at this particular time in history. If you walk to a cemetery and you look at the gravestones, you'll see two dates. The date that the person was born and the date that the person died. But between those dates, there is a little dash. And the dash is smaller than the dates on the left and on the right, but that dash represents the life of that person. You and I are living our life, and one day we are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for every single thing that we do and every single thing that we say. You and I, in essence, are running a race, the race of our life. And I want to share this morning with you some important points that we need to remember as we run this race. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, We constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling. Worthy of of his calling. It's important that you and I understand that we must be faithful if we are going to finish this race that God has given us to run. He goes on to say, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. God amazingly has chosen to lay out before us These wonderful opportunities to be able to grow and to be used for his glory in 2017. But the choice whether we will be useful for his kingdom, part of that choice remains up to you and I. There are things that God has chosen to not force us to be involved in or to do, but rather he says, this is my desire for you. And if you are willing that I will help you and I will fulfill my good purpose through you. As the Apostle Paul said, these acts that we do, they're prompted by our faith. We make choices as to what we do and we make choices as to why we do them. And as we're running this race, there is a beginning and there is an end. Sometimes we feel like we're immortal, like our life will just continue to go on and on. Particularly when we're in our younger years, we feel a lot of energy and uh, there's a lot of stamina and strength and a lot of excitement to do things. As a person gets older, this body begins to slowly lose its energy and lose its strength. And sometimes faculties don't work the same, can't see the same, can't, uh, we don't have the same amount of strength. And, and as we move forward in life, things change. When we once felt like we could do anything, and then that that strength would last forever, we realized that in the natural, it does not last forever. 
And unless Jesus comes back before, there will be the end of that dash for our lives as well. There will be that date when, we choose, when, when God chooses for us to enter into eternity and our life will be over and someone will walk by our gravestone and see the date of our birth, the date of our death and the little dash in between. And I want to ask you the question today, how are you living out that dash in between those dates? And how are you preparing to be able to stand before God on that final day and to be able to stand without shame and to allow God to be able to assess your life, what you've done, and your motives for doing so. We're all in a race. We're all on this journey. And in order for us to be able to compete in this race properly, we must be qualified to do so. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when he said, I am the door, he said, anyone who enters by another gate are thieves and robbers. There are those who would try to enter into the presence of God by following Another set of rules. Making up their own ways to get in to the presence of the Lord. But God has very clearly laid out the rule book. And if you and I abide by the rules, then we will compete for the victor's crown. We're not competing against each other, but rather we are running this race. Our lives, we are continuing to be faithful and diligent so that when we stand before God, we will not be ashamed and we will receive the victor's crown. You and I in our lives have so much that we can be involved in, but what matters most is where we are going with Jesus. When we gave our hearts to Christ and we said, Lord, I will do what you asked me to do. I'll follow you wherever you call me to go. Yes, God does want us to be faithful with the practical things. And there's much to be learned about how we handle our finances, about how we handle our home and take care of the natural things that God has given to us. As you read through the book of Proverbs, you see great instruction there about how we need to be diligent and disciplined in the way that we handle our practical life. But friends, all of that is eventually going to pass and the day is going to come when all the things that we own, the things that we have will not be around anymore. What's going to matter is how we have been obedient to our Heavenly Father. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57, we are told of a man who said to Jesus, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And in another version it says, uh, let the spiritually dead 
bury their own physically dead. Jesus was trying to make a point. This person was making an excuse. More than likely, the father had not even passed away yet, but he was saying, let me hang around and wait till the right time. Let me wait till my father passes away, and then I'll bury my father, and then I will choose to follow you. Jesus said, there's no time for that. Verse 61, Luke chapter 9, still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus answered, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. These men, they wanted to follow Jesus by their own rules. Jesus always gets to the heart of the issue. How easy it is for us to say, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. But then when the Lord touches a very difficult or sensitive area of sacrifice in our life, we'll say, Lord, well, I didn't think you were going to ask me to do that. So let me reconsider this whole thing about following you wherever you want me to go and to do whatever you want me to do. When these people were interested in following Jesus, they wanted to do it their way. They wanted to hold on to their things And yet Jesus drew the line in the sand. And he said, if you're going to come follow me, you've got to let those things go. As we live our life in this brand new year, we have an opportunity to get our priorities in order. And I believe that's one of the greatest challenges that we face here in the United States of America. We are so driven by accomplishing things that so often we forget about the things that matter most. Thank the Lord that we've been able to uh, produce various things and we are uh, a very fast-moving nation as far as getting stuff done. But oftentimes as it relates to relationships, we have a great deficit because everything is so fast. We never have the opportunity to be able to get to know each other the way that God intended us to get to know each other. And in order for that to happen, happen, something has to go. Something has to change. When Jesus was with his disciples, he spent time with them. They spent time with him. There was a development of a relationship, and the priority was in order. When God wants us to learn how to follow him. When God wants us to learn what's most important, oftentimes it will take something of a shock to bring things back into order because in our human nature, it's so hard for us to eliminate those things ourselves. For any of you who have gone through a tragedy in your family, for any of you who have gone through situations that were outside of your control and that took you by surprise, You know from experience how quickly your priorities can come into focus. And all of a sudden this little project that you were working on doesn't really matter anymore because something great is at stake. And God wants us to understand there are great things at stake in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And there are many things that we can do in this life, but not everything is important. And not everything is priority. 
And when we learn to take the priorities and put them in order, then God is going to help us with the rest of the stuff that is not so important. But it starts with our heart. Isaiah 29, 13 says, The Lord says these words, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. When these people came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you, no doubt they had good intentions. After all, they were willing to say, Jesus, I see there's something valuable about following you. I see that there's value in me leaving something to come and follow you. But when Jesus laid out what they'd have to leave, and all of a sudden they reconsidered. Jesus said that we are to count the cost and we are to set our hearts on him. In the book of Acts, it says these words, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So how do we set our sights? Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4 says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We must set our hearts, we must set our minds on things above. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We must set our hearts, we must set our minds, and we must fix our eyes upon him. The things that really matter most is the work that God's doing in people. In 1 Thessalonians 2.19, it says, What is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? And then he says, Is it not you? God reveals things step by step to us, and he expects us to be faithful with what he reveals to us. When I stand before God on that day, the greatest joy that is going to be in my heart is if you, God's precious people, follow him and run the race well till the very end. There are many aspects in being a pastor of a church. There's business, there's taking care of uh, the facilities, making sure they're overseen, everything that is taken care of on the property, all those kinds of things. But when everything comes down to it, what matters most is your soul is the most important thing. 
before God. Every single thing else is going to pass away. But your soul is precious. It is priority. So if your soul is priority, then anything that competes with that has to take a back seat. I remember there was a time just a few years ago and I was facing a situation where I had so much to do. There was so much paperwork, so much business aspect of dealing with the church that I was pastoring and I said to the Lord, I said, God, there are so many needs in the church, so many people who are in need of help and and of care and counsel and love and teaching from your word and yet there's so much that needs to be done on the paperwork. And I was talking to the Lord and, and I asked him, God, I can't handle it all. What do you want me to do? And the Spirit of the Lord spoke so gently to my heart. And he said to me, Joseph, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Learn of me and you'll find rest for your soul. Joseph, the only thing I expect of you is what I ask of you today. And so each day I would say to the Lord, Lord, there's more that needs to be done today than I can do, but what would you like me to do first? And it revolutionized the way that I handled things. And guess what? There were things that did not get done that day that on my list, I thought, hey, that'd be great if that got accomplished. But as long as the priority was taken care of, the stuff that didn't get done didn't matter. And what I found the problem was is that I was making a priority some things that weren't. And I was bothered that I didn't get those non-priority things done. But it didn't bother God. One time Jesus was visiting with Mary and Martha. And Martha was very busy about getting stuff done. And Martha was very upset because Mary was sitting on the couch talking to Jesus. She comes in the room and she says, Jesus, Mary is just sitting there. I am busy working. And she, Martha, had the guts to say, would you please tell Mary to get up and to come help me get working? Now think of it. Put yourself in that situation. It's kind of an awkward situation to be in. How did Jesus respond? He didn't say, um, uh, yeah, 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 Mary, Mary, why don't you go help Martha because she seems really concerned right now. And let's make sure she's not bothered. He didn't say that. He said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. But there was only one thing that was most important. And Mary has chose to concern herself with that. In essence, Jesus was telling Martha, it'd be great if you could come sit down too. Because we've got some priorities to take care of. When we get our priorities in order, some of these burdens that we carry around fall off. 
Because when we bring them to the Lord by faith, we know that he's going to take care of us. That's why it says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So we set our hearts, we set our eyes, we set our minds on the priority. And every day you wake up, simply say, God, what do you want me to do today? And there have been times the Holy Spirit will prompt me, this person needs a phone call. The most important thing at that moment is to be obedient to the Lord. I could have a whole list of things to do, but so often I find that my list of things to do don't always line up with God's. And so I have to be obedient. And I always have to refocus every single day. And that's why your daily time with God is so critical. It's so important that you find out what you need to do because things can change. We believe prayer changes things. We believe God moves. And sometimes we get stuck in something rote. But did you know that there are things that are changing all the time, even in the spiritual realm? God is working, and when someone responds by his Holy Spirit to say, Yes, Lord, a whole other set of things kick into place. But when that person says, Oh, no, Lord, I'm not going to obey you, another set of circumstances kick into place. So it's a very fluid situation in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we can sit back and almost look like and feel like everything's locked in. Well, whatever will be is going to be. But that's not how it is. When we pray, God works. When we come into his presence and surrender ourselves to him, he changes us. He changes our perspective and he can give you ideas that you never had before. So when you come before the Lord that day, don't come with, well, everything's already set today. So I'm just going to come in and I'm going to just do what I've always done. No, be expecting God to speak to your heart something fresh, something new, something hot off the press. Because he's got a ministry and a mission that is very specific, not just for you. And it is for you, but it's for that moment. God is always on time. And if we're listening, he'll help us to be able to identify what is priority for that moment. So for us to be able to run this race well, we must prioritize. Establish our priorities. Number two, have you messed up? Have you made mistakes? We all have. The Bible tells us that if we have sinned, the way to handle that is not to run that sin over and over in our mind and go, boy, I can't believe I did that. Can't believe I did that. A week later, oh my goodness, I, I wish I were better than that. And we can run it over and over in our mind. God says, don't do that. You're wasting time. We've got stuff to do for the kingdom of God. And you running over in your mind all your past failures doesn't do the kingdom of God any good. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We take care of the past by the blood of Jesus. We repent. We humble ourselves. It's taken care of. Oh, God, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to do your will. I'm, I'm choosing not to be disobedient like I was in the past. But I'm not going to live back there. I'm moving forward. God, these hands, this body... 
these eyes, this mind, every part of me, I dedicate it to you. What do you want me to do today, God? Because God has assignments for every single one of us. And we'll never move forward if we're always looking back. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. The Apostle Paul said, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Where you set your focus, that's where you're going to go. When people are using horses to be able to do the work that they want to do, they actually take these blinders and they put them on the sides of their eyes so that the horse will not be distracted in the left or the right. But all they will see is what's straight ahead of them. And spiritually, sometimes that's exactly what we've got to do. And sometimes it has to be done in the natural as well. You've got to eliminate some things from your eyes and from your mind that are going to distract you from the purpose and the plan and the specific mission that God has for you. And sometimes that's simply a matter of when you come into the presence of the Lord, find a place where you can have his, uh, where, where he can have your undivided attention. I know for me there are certain places that it's very hard for me to pray. And the reason it's hard for me to pray, even though we can pray without ceasing, anywhere, anytime, and I'm so glad for that, but when I'm coming into intercession in the presence of God, for me personally, sitting at my desk where I see all the stuff that I need to get done is not a good place for me to pray. Because I'm putting myself in a place where I know I'm the, oh, I didn't do that. I didn't call that person. I got to make sure I make a note and I've got to make sure I pay that bill. And, and it's just natural. Your mind starts wandering. But that's not what I sat down to do. I came to talk to the living God. And I want to make sure that for these moments I'm focused on him. So what do I have to do? I have to remove the distractions, even good stuff. I've got to do that work. Eventually I'm going to do it. But for that moment, I need to prioritize that God has my undivided attention. And so that's why I believe it's so important that we find our prayer closet, wherever that may be. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's where your clothes are hanging, but you find a spot where you're alone with God and where you're not distracted by things around you so that when God is speaking, you can be able to hear his voice because there are a thousand other voices that are trying to call your attention. And you watch and see. If you're listening, you'll hear him. And he'll speak to you. I'm so glad that God is willing to move us forward. I believe that the enemy is always trying to get us to be quieted. 
to not be filled with boldness and courage. Because then we'll be useful for God. But as long as we're uh, worrying about our own selves and the way that we fall short. And how many of us fall short? We all do. The devil's got a lot to work with, you know, unfortunately. He always has stuff to point to, to bring us down. But what we have to do is we have to set our sights on the Lord. And we have to reject those things that dishonor God. We have to repent when we have sinned. And we have to let the Lord move us forward. As uh, Carmen the singer said, um, he said, When Satan reminds us of our past, we need to simply remind him of his future. We're not heading where he's heading anymore. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And we need to live like it. We've been delivered from our previous lifestyle. We need to live like it. We need to honor God with our lives, with every part of our being. 1 Peter 1.18 says, You've been redeemed from the empty way of life that was handed down to you from your forefathers with the bl precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Things that you have received from your parents, your grandparents. Chains maybe that bound you that were passed on from generation to generation. You are a new creation in Christ. You are forgiven. You are set free and you have a future. In our world we oftentimes will look at someone uh, based upon how they've done in the past. And in the natural sense there is... Uh, validity to that. If you're going to hire someone, you're going to look at how they have handled responsibilities in the past. Letter of recommendation verifies character. The employer is looking to find out what kind of person this is, th this is going to be by looking back and seeing their track record. And as human beings, that's kind of what we're limited to do. Without the supernatural uh, power of God to be able to reveal the heart, that we just have to look back and see how the track record has been. We're limited. But God doesn't look at us that way. He sees our future and he doesn't hold our past against us if we have truly from our heart forsaken it. People find it hard to forgive because they often tend to think, well, what you've done in the past is what you're always going to do. But God knows otherwise, for he knows when a heart has truly changed. And there is a moment in time when a heart has changed, when their past is very ugly. And if anybody were to judge them by their past, they'd have no hope. But God looks at that person whose heart has been transformed and says, I see your ugly past, but I also see your heart. And I know where your heart is headed. You've done a 180, and I know that your future is bright. The world doesn't see that, but God does. Forget your failures. Don't keep dwelling on them, bringing them up over and over. If you talk about your failures, talk about them in light of what God has done. Talk about the transforming power of God and let there always be hope in your conversation. Even when it's talking about things you've done wrong in the past. There's no need to bring up old stuff just to bring it up. If you bring it up, bring it up talking about the grace of God and how he walked you through it. How he forgave you for it and how he's given you a bright future. But don't allow the enemy to keep your focus on the past. 
For those of you who have made mistakes the last year. Maybe you've done things that you regret. Move on. Repent. Keep on growing in the Lord. And allow God to make you the man, the woman that he wants you to be. And don't allow the devil to keep you stuck in the past. You're in the process of training while you run this race. The scripture says imitate God in everything that you do. You may have messed up back then. God, I'm sorry. That was not your character. I know you don't act like that. I know you don't speak like that. I don't want to do that anymore. But I'm choosing now to continue to grow. I'm going to watch my tongue. I'm going to watch my words. I'm going to be listening to your voice. So that whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to be sensitive to it. As your pastor, that is my prayer on an ongoing basis. God, give me an ear to hear your voice. I'm growing in that. I'm growing in that. And I want to grow more. How about you? Do you want to discern the voice of God? If you want to discern the voice of God, it's very possible. But you've got to be listening. Our faith in God must also trust God's timing. Sometimes we want to rush things. And God simply says, be obedient doing this. And when you've proved yourself faithful, then he will give you greater responsibilities. Faith, our faith in God, has more to do with obedience than it does with yearning for great things. I can be honest with you, I've, as a pastor, I've spoken with various people over the years. And I have had people talk to me with what sounds like great faith ideas. Talk about all these wonderful things that I want to do in ministry and all these amazing things I want to accomplish for God. And over the years, some, it's been all talk and no action. But our faith in God is not just talking about big stuff for God. Our faith in God is when God says, all right, you want to do big things for me? You want to be a great leader for me or you want to influence people or whatever is in our mind? (coughs) How about starting by washing somebody's feet? And it throws our world upside down, washing feet. Wait, big things for God? Wait, yes, Jesus said, he who wants to be the greatest must be the servant of everyone. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I have learned as a pastor to identify future leaders. It's the ones who are always talking about serving others with a humble spirit. That's a future leader. The person who's always talking about influencing people and making big changes and this and that. If it's all talk and no servant action, the only thing that will materialize is a big head and an eventual fall. But the person who's willing, as the Holy Spirit directs you, to get down and to wash someone's feet, 
Now, nowadays, we don't wash feet, but that was the symbol back then because they actually needed their feet washed. They were dirty feet. For us nowadays, it'd be some other way of showing that you're willing to care for someone. Something only a servant would do. When you'd have guests over, someone else would do the foot washing, not, not you. But Jesus said that we have to humble ourselves. If we're going to be effective in 2017, we must make sure that we humble ourselves before God. We must stay focused. We must be single-minded, check our motives, always seek for God's wisdom. And as God gives us wisdom, then we're going to be able to handle situations. I tell you, I am so delighted that I can lean on God. I have learned to trust Him in situations that I have no idea how I'm going to handle. More and more now than before. Before I was, a little, to be honest with you, a little more afraid when I went into situations I wasn't sure. I didn't have like all these points lined up. Now I can go in because I know God's got my back. And if he sent me into it, it's been proven to me over and over and over again that he will give the wisdom at the moment. Jesus said to his disciples, don't premeditate everything you're going to say when you come before the leaders to talk about me. But he said, at that moment, my Father will give you the words to speak. So don't be overly concerned about your natural preparation, but be greatly concerned about your supernatural preparation. Because if you've learned to discern the voice of God in your prayer closet on a regular basis, God can speak to you in the middle of the aisle in Walmart and give you an assignment that will affect someone's life for eternity. In our natural selves, we confine things to certain areas. Oh, I feel, feel comfortable raising my hands in church and praising God. But I'd feel quite odd to do that outside. But God wants us to be led by His Spirit so that we are not inhibited by our surroundings. And when you can honestly open your heart to the Lord on a regular basis in your own privacy, God's going to give you the courage to do it when other people are watching. Because what we do, we do for Him and not for anyone else. The last point in this year, I want to encourage you to go for the gold. There is a prize for the winner. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Any of you waiting to see Jesus? I'm looking forward to his return. He could come right now. And I'm looking forward to that day. And if I am faithful, if you are faithful, we will receive the crown of righteousness from our Redeemer. James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Any of you going through something right now? Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There is a prize for the winner.
And as we read earlier in Hebrews 12, verse 1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The truth is, not everybody is going to get the same rewards in heaven. For there are many whose works will go through the fire and all of their works will be like hay, wood, and stubble and they will be burned up. But there will be some whose works will go through the fire and they will come out the other side as gold and precious jewels. What would you like to have left over when the fire goes over your works. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, the Apostle Paul says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man who's just beating the air. No, I bring my body under control and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It's a very sobering thought. That we could share the gospel with others and see people saved and set free. And yet we could be disqualified for the prize. May God help us to be faithful and to run this race well. None of us know unless the Holy Spirit reveals with, there are rare occasions where the Holy Spirit does reveal the day that we will leave this earth. But for the most part, we don't know when our last day will be. As your pastor, I want to encourage you, run your race well for the glory of God. One day, we will stand before God and everything that we have done will give an account to him for. What a joy it would give to me as your pastor if everybody in our church body, when they stood before the living God, God said to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Because you've been faithful to run the race well. You did not allow the distractions of the world to pull you away from what I called you to do. You did not allow the things that tried to tempt you to take you, take you away from me. If you remain faithful, my friends, you will receive the prize. Don't give up. When things get tough, keep running. Keep running for the glory of God. And if you make it through after the trial, you will receive the prize. You will receive the crown of life that the Lord has prepared for you.
Would you close yourself in with God for a moment? I'm glad you're here today. I want to commend you for being in the house of the Lord. But even though you made a choice to come to church today, I believe it was by divine appointment that you're here today. Maybe you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor, I'm, I'm interested in giving myself to God so that I can be useful to his purposes. I want my sins forgiven. I don't want to keep looking back at the past. I don't want to feel the guilt and the shame of the things that I've done wrong. My friend, you can be completely forgiven for all of your sin. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for your sin. And if you are sincere from your heart and you repent with every part of your being, God will forgive you and you will have a bright future ahead of you. Maybe you're here today and your heart is hungry for more of God. And you haven't even got on the track yet. You're not running the race yet. But you'd like to. Maybe you've never taken that chance. You may, never made the choice to ask Jesus to come in and to cleanse your heart and make you a new person. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. My friend, today you can get on the track to begin running this race for the prize, the crown of life. And your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're here in this place and you'd say, Pastor, I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart, to forgive me of all my sin, to wash me clean and to make me a brand new person. If that's you, right where you're sitting today, the Holy Spirit says to you, you have hope and I'm willing to forgive you. I would be glad to pray with you. If you would, just raise your hand right where you're sitting and I'd be so glad to pray with you, believing God to transform you and to give you his life, his priorities, and his purpose. Is there anyone this morning that desires to make that choice? To surrender yourself completely to Jesus today. It's the most important decision that you could ever make. One last call. Is there anyone? I sincerely hope from the bottom of my heart that every man and woman present in this room is ready to meet Jesus. Maybe you, like me this morning, would say, God, I want to hear your voice more and more every day. I really want to be able to discern when you're speaking 
when I'm having just idle thoughts or when the enemy is trying to trick me. I want discernment. I want to be able to hear when you're speaking to me, God. So please give me an ear to hear. If you would say, God, I desire this year to put you first. To take time away from the busyness of life. To take time away from all the things that can pull my attention. And to spend time alone with you on a regular basis. If you would say, God, please help me to be able to do that. Help me this year to keep you first, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness so that you can add all the other stuff, money, the things I need to eat, the clothes I need to wear, all those other things. But I will put you first, Lord. The way we're going to end this service today is I want to invite you this morning if you would like to recommit yourself to the Lord, to keep Him first, to hear His voice, and to be led by His Spirit in His to-do list more than your to-do list, then I want to invite you to join me at these altars. We're not going to have music, but we are going to have a time of prayer. And I want to invite you to join with me as we simply say, God, I surrender myself to you. I open my heart. I want you to be first above anything else. If that's you, then I welcome you to come join me at this altar at this time as we're simply going to rededicate ourselves to the Lord and say, God, you're number one.